Welcome, welcome to the Totally Kind of Okay podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany J. Bankhead, and thank you so much for joining me here today. I am doing totally kind of okay. Thanks for asking. <laughs> actually, <laughs> I always have to say that. But really, today I'm actually doing really good, um, pretty well. It's Sunday, and Sundays are my self-care days, like this the days that I do the most self-care. And today I went on a hike, my first hike of the year with my dogs, and it was really nice. Um, we got a little lost, <laughs> but we survived, <laughs> and we made it back. Um, and yeah, so I've been doing a lot of self-care today, and I have great news. I am getting over my seasonal depression, and I don't know if it was just winter or seasonal depression. <laughs> No, I saw that that was a meme. Um, somebody posted, oh, I don't know if it was just winter or seasonal depression. But um, in the winter, you do get seasonal depression. And I talked about this on four episodes now. I talked most recently about the seasonal depression, aka seasonal affective disorder, aka SAD, that I was experiencing this um winter and this first part of the year in the past two episodes, episode 12 and 13. Yeah, 12 and 13. And um, I also talked about my seasonal depression last year in episodes two and six. So if you are feeling depressed or struggle with seasonal depression, I highly recommend checking those out for uh, more information on um, how you can get through seasonal depression and and signs and symptoms of seasonal depression because maybe you think you have like a a feeling that you might have it or that somebody you know might have it, have it has it has it and um you're not quite sure so I give I do a really good breakdown in episode two and episode twelve of all the signs and symptoms of seasonal depression. So please give those a listen. Um, welcome. So this podcast is designed to help you improve your mental health after listening to each episode. We talk about real life experiences with mental health issues and disorders, mostly mine. We discuss mental health treatment, tools you can apply to your life today, and healthy habits that improve your overall health and mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I share my real life experience. Um, I already said that. <laughs> I share my personal struggles and my victories I've had with my mental health after having been diagnosed 11 years ago with bipolar type 2, seasonal depression, generalized anxiety, ADHD, and most recently marijuana addiction. This is episode 14. It is the third part or the third episode of a three-part series about my personal story of how I quit using marijuana and quit using all THC products because obviously there's marijuana but THC is in a lot of different things um, and I quit it all. <laughs> I'm done with it. I have been on this journey of sobriety from THC for eight months. I just hit my eight-month sobriety date on March 2nd, which was just a few days ago, so I'm really super happy and I'm super proud of myself. Um, it's a 
a big uh, monument mark, I guess, eight months, because that means I'm three quarters, is it three quarters? No, I guess nine months would be three quarters. I'm almost three quarters of the way through a year of sobriety, and I'm super stoked about that. Um, I'll talk more about like how I've stayed sober in another episode, but this is how I quit. So in this episode, I talk about how I quit using marijuana. In the previous episodes, episode seven, part one, I talked about how my addiction started, why I would smoke and why I quit. And then in episode eight, part two, I discussed how marijuana had become a problem in my life and the signs that you might have a problem with a substance or possibly an addiction. We start each episode with an affirmation because affirmations have the ability to change how you think about yourself and how you view the world and start changing your negative self-talk to positive self-talk. So I'm going to say today's affirmation and then we're going to repeat it three times together. So I'll say it first here. I have the ability to overcome any bad habit and change my life. Now we're going to repeat that three times. I'll pause in between and I'll say it slowly so you can say it with me. I have the ability to overcome any bad habit and change my life. I have the ability to overcome any bad habit and change my life. I have the ability to overcome any bad habit and change my life. Quitting any type of addiction, whether it's a substance or a behavior, is extremely hard, and it's one of the hardest things in the world to do, uh, my personal belief, after having quit, um, well, I've quit a few things in my life, but today I'm just talking about marijuana, maybe another time I'll talk about other things, but um, it's literally like one of the most difficult things in life you can go through when you're breaking a bad habit, essentially. Well, I mean, (laughs) when you're quitting an addiction, essentially you're breaking a bad habit. And research says that about 80 to 90% of our daily lives are made up of habits we do. So habits basically rule our life. Um, So when you have a habit, it's like ingrained in you. But with addiction especially to a substance or a certain behavior. Um, There's so much tied to drug addiction beyond just a habit. Um, It's part of your life because your whole world can be defined by your addiction. It's not just that, but when you have an addiction, your life revolves around using the substance, trying to use it or trying to obtain it. your withdrawal, relapse, and recovery. So there's a a whole lot that goes into um, addiction and it can be, it can consume your whole life. Like it basically starts to change. Not only is it a bad habit, but it starts to change all the rest of your habits that you have in your life. So um, I think it's really important that we talk about addiction because I said this in my past two episodes about my addiction, but it's a really prevalent um, worldwide problem out there and particularly marijuana addiction. Um, A lot of people are using it more and people who are susceptible to addiction because of their genes or because of their 
lifestyle or their upbringing um, will get addicted to marijuana if they're just using it recreationally, like like I was. If you want to find out why I started smoking, go back to the past episode number seven, I think it was. Um, but basically, people, because it's legal now, people start using it like recreationally because it's legal it's legal in most states medically and in a lot of states recreationally, which means basically you can go to the store and buy it just like you buy alcohol um, if, if you're 21 and over. Um, so, you know, people start using it for whatever reason or just to have fun. And then, like I said, people with um, propensity or like a predisposition, the medical term is a predisposition to getting addiction will get addicted to marijuana, but a lot of people don't believe that marijuana is addicting. <laughs> um, I can tell you from my experience, marijuana is very addicting. Um, my brother calls it the devil's lettuce. Um, <laughs> the devil's lettuce. <laughs> um, because it literally, like, it... It can be a slower building addiction. Like, you might, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of like a lot of addictions are built slowly up over time where, you know, you start like once a month and then once a week and then once every few days and then once a day and then once in the morning, once at night and then all throughout your day. Like, that's basically how addiction builds. And it depends on the person, their personality type and their genetics and, um, their upbringing or, um, your, like, other people around you because other people can influence you to, um, get addicted. I talk about a lot of this stuff in the past two, uh, parts one and two about addiction. So go check those out. But basically, I just wanted to say that, um, addiction is really hard to overcome because it is so all in enhancing, enhancing. I don't know if that's the right word. All en encompassing, <laughs> all encompassing. Am I saying that right? Oh my gosh. All encompassing of your life. Like it takes over your whole life. So, um, so I just wanted to recognize that for a minute and talk about that. Right now, though, I want to shout out my family for their own sobriety and recovery. Um, like I said, um, you can be predisposed to addiction because of your genetics and because of your family upbringing and other generations in your family. You know, sometimes it skips a generation, although I think addiction, if somebody doesn't have an addiction to a substance, they might have a behavioral addiction. Um, so, you know, <laughs> we're all addicted to something, right? Um, I, I don't believe that's 100% the truth. I don't think every single person is addicted to something. I believe there are a lot of people, we call them normies, normies in the, um, in the recovery world. Normies are basically people that don't like get obsessed, obsessions or addictions to like certain things and can maintain a healthy balance and stuff. But that's not where I was going. I was talking about my family, which my family, um, as you can 
probably guess because I have an addiction and I've had multiple addictions in my life. Um, I come from a family of people who have addictions and I am so proud of my family that is in recovery now, especially my two brothers. I just want to shout you guys out real quickly. My older brother is amazing, um, just a brilliant mind and a beautiful heart. Um, well, both my brothers have beautiful hearts. They are so kind and so generous. Um, but my older brother has seven over 17 years sobriety from heroin. Um, yeah, heroin is one of the worst drugs, I believe, because it's one of the most likely to kill you. And in the U.S., um, in the U.S.A., uh, today, um, opioid, which heroin's an opioid, um, which is basically like a downer drug or painkiller, um, is one of the highest, um, causes of death amongst people ages like, I think it's 18 to 35 or somewhere around there. Um, it, it's one of the highest causes of death. If, if not the highest cause of death is, um, heroin and opioid overdose. So, um, for my brother to literally have over 17 years off and away from that killer, um, of a drug is truly astounding. And I am grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful every single day, every day. Um, when I really think about it, I, it's, it's life changing, like what he's done. Oh my gosh. I'm just so proud of him and I'm grateful. I'm grateful every single day, um, for his sobriety. And that I might need to take a break. Okay. I'm grateful both my brothers are alive. Um, my older brother, it having 17 years is just incredible. And my younger brother just hit his two year sobriety from drugs and alcohol. And I'm so proud of you both. And I love you guys so much. I'm so glad you're alive. And I'm also grateful for my dad's sobriety. He just celebrated 14 years of being off alcohol last November. Um, and also my uncle, I have to give him a plug as well because he actually has over 20 years of sobriety and which is amazing. Like I forget about it because <laughs> I forget how bad his addiction was because he's been sober for so long. It's like, he's a whole different person now. He's changed, completely changed his whole life and it's almost like, wow, that was like a totally different version or person that you were. Um, so just want to say I love you guys. You're doing amazing. I'm so happy you're all alive and living your life to the fullest. Now I'm going to talk about how exactly I quit. Um, I had tried. Whew, okay. <laughs> I'm still a little emotional from just thinking about that. Um, 
Okay, I had tried quitting multiple times in the past two years. Um, actually, if I think about it, over the past 10 years that I was using marijuana, I tried to cut back quite a few times because I became a, a multi time, multiple times per day user. And so I would try to cut back to like once a day or once every other day. And like, I just couldn't do it. Like it would work. It, it wouldn't even work. I shouldn't say it worked. It would last for a day, like basically 24 to 48 hours. And then I just, I would relapse or, um, just start using again. It wasn't even really like a real relapse because I would only quit for 24 hours. Sometimes I did go two days. There was a couple times where I went two days, but it was just so hard. And that's, again, um, like I just already talked about quitting an addiction is extremely difficult. So this time I did things differently because I was like, I had come to a point in my life and I talked about this in episode seven where I had made a decision that I wanted to quit and I had recognized the signs that I really had a problem and I had an addiction and not just a, um, a, a hobby because <laughs> some people like for them, smoking marijuana is a hobby. It's something you do like, you know, for fun. Um, but go back and please listen to episodes um, seven and eight. And eight, I talk about um, how I knew it wasn't just a hobby. Um, and I, I talk about why I quit in episode seven. So this time I was like, okay, I need to do it. It's taking over my life. I need to make a change. My life is going downhill and I am not going to allow myself to continue down this path of being brought down and um, just disintegrating, I guess you could say. Like things were falling apart and crumbling and getting worse. And I was like, okay, I need to figure out how I'm going to do this. And I did that by making a plan on how I was going to quit. The first thing I did was I set a date and I made it sooner than later. I set a date like I actually chose, a, um, I gave myself less than a week from my official, from when I officially decided to quit, I was like, okay, I'm going to quit literally this weekend. And I had decided to quit. I think it was a Monday or a Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. And I, um, or maybe it was one weekend and I decided I would quit the next weekend. Either way, I made it sooner than later because you don't want to give yourself, that was my alarm reminding me to take my mood stabilizers, my mental health medication. <laughs> um, I didn't realize how late it is. It's 9.30 PM at night <laughs> when I'm recording this because I worked on this today and I really wanted to get this out in the world because I've been trying to record this episode for a while. I shouldn't even say trying. I've been feeling like I should record this episode for a while and I was putting it off. I wasn't even working on it. And today, like I did when I made a plan to quit, I drew a line in the sand and I said, I'm going to do it today. 
And so I started working on it and then I was like, okay, I can get this done today and it's 9.30 and I'm supposed to take my mood stabilizer so that way I stay on my sleep routine and go to bed on time. Um, so I actually might put that off for a little bit, but um, normally I wouldn't do that. Normally I would take that when my alarm went off. So that was just a side note. Um, but back to planning on how I plan to quit. I didn't give myself time to debate it, to debate the day of quitting or to go back on my word. So I think if you say you're going to quit and you make a date and you're like, it's like, you know, say it's March 15th and you're like, I'm going to quit April 1st. Well, that gives yourself over two weeks to debate in your head whether you're actually going to do it. And then you might go back on your word and you might not end up doing it because you didn't like, I think once you make a decision, you have to take action. You have to, I shouldn't say have to, it is the best thing once you make a decision to start acting on that decision, because that's going to solidify that it was the right thing to do. And it's going to create momentum in your life. And it's going to create instant, um, feedback. You're going to get feedback like, okay, I did this and I'm going to talk about like how I got feedback and stuff. Um, but you're going to get uh, results quicker if you make a decision and do it. So I decided to quit within a week. And the next thing I did was I told people about my date. So I actually went to my Bible study group, which my Bible study group I've talked about on this podcast is one of the biggest support systems I have and um, just wonderful, amazing, beautiful, lovely people in my life that are so kind and supportive and um, just precious. They're, they're just some of the best people I know and I'm so happy to be part of that group. But we meet every Tuesday, and so on Tuesday, I, you know, it came, it was prayer request time, which if you're in a Bible study group, or sometimes they call it a home group or a life group, um, you do prayer requests at the very end. So you go through, like, your study of the Bible or, like, a topic or a lesson um, on God or Jesus for the day, and then at the end, you do prayer requests. And so when they said, you know, what are people's prayer requests? I, um, I think I raised my hand <laughs> and I was, I just broke down. I just immediately started crying. I said I was quitting marijuana and I really needed prayers and support. And it was, oh, I'm going to get emotional just thinking about it. It was one of the first times in my life that I had admitted to other people that I had a problem. Before that, I had kind of talked about it with my mom a little bit and my brother, but I never actually admitted before other people that I had a problem. And it was, honestly, it was like the first time almost admitting it to myself because I was speaking it out loud versus internalizing it. I think when you externalize a thought, it makes it reality versus just something you ruminate over or something you um, are 
it's just constantly kind of thinking about and not doing anything about it. So it was like, once I said it to other people, it was like, okay, now I got to do something about it. Um, so (laughs) that was probably honestly the best environment for me to admit it because it wasn't like a lot of pressure. It was like very, like I keep saying supportive, but that's really the best word for it is people that were on my side that had my back that were encouraging me and helping me live um, a godly life. And they were so gracious and so accepting when I told them. And one of the other, um, one of the elders in the group that um, runs all the the Bible study groups for the church, he uh, told me that about his own addiction. And he said this, and I'll never forget this. He said, you never, when you're in your addiction, you don't realize how, just how great your life can be without drugs. And that like hit me. And of course it made me cry and it was so sweet, but actually um, the, the elder that told me that because he went to Vietnam and so he got addicted to drugs in Vietnam and, um, him and his wife immediately offered, cause I said, you know, I'm going to quit this weekend and it was a Tuesday and they said I could come stay with them at their place, which they live in the forest, um, in a really cool place by a Creek. And, um, it was so sweet for them to offer that to me for like, you know, I had only known them like, I think it was like our second time meeting as a group, second or third time meeting as a group. And so they barely like they knew me like maybe 10 hours or not even like seven or eight hours worth of time they had known me and they offered for me to like stay at their place for a few days. (laughs) And I was just like, wow, that is amazing. Um, so I considered it, I definitely considered that, but I'm going to talk about, um, that next, um, the, uh, well, I also wanted to mention that the other people I told about my plan about quitting were my parents and my brother, because they're also some of my, um, support system in my life. And, um, definitely my mom is my biggest cheerleader and she's literally always there for me. Shout out to my mom. She is the best, the, the MVP of moms and of our whole family, to be honest. Um, but I told them, so I told multiple people. So I told my Bible study group and I told my family about it. People that I felt comfortable with. I'm not, I didn't just go advertise to my whole family. Like I literally only told a a select few people of my family because sometimes when you tell other people and, and particularly my family has other people have struggles with, um, addictions as well. And so I didn't want to get like any kind of pushback or reaction from them and how my quitting, how that would make them feel. So I didn't, I purposely didn't tell certain people about my plan. Um, but the next thing I did, um, was I made a plan to be away from the environment for the first few days. And so I, I hadn't thought of that till the nice, um, 
couple from the, the elders of the church offered for me to come stay with them. I was like, oh, wow, that's a brilliant idea to stay somewhere else besides your home or your place. Like I live in a trailer um, besides where I live for the first few days because it's really hard to be like in the environment where you're most triggered, where you would most often use the substance. So like that's a big thing when you're quitting an addiction is like don't go to the certain people, places, or things, right? So the places where you would use the most often, for me, that was at home. So I just really needed to get away from home and be away from the environment of where I would use marijuana for the first few days. So I I decided, and um, it was... It was good. Um, I decided to go to my dad and my stepmom's house, which is in, like an hour and a half away from where I live. And um, it was it was nice. Um, it, they were they were definitely supportive. Um, they're they're interesting to be around. <laughs> um, I looking back, like I feel like I should have gone to the um, people in my group's, um, place where it was like very neutral because I used to, when I would visit my dad and my stepmom, um, in, at their place prior, I would use marijuana when I would go visit. So it wasn't, if it would have been even better if I would have went to somewhere I had never used before. So, and which would have been the, the elders of the church place, um, I would have, I had never obviously been to their house, so I would have never used marijuana before. So it would have been even better, I think, to go there, even though they were not completely strangers, but definitely not people that I knew very well. Um, Just because being completely separated from where I would use would have been just a little more helpful, I think, and a little more head clearing. And I would have probably had a lot more time to myself versus like, being with my dad and my stepmom at the time um, was a little more focused on them and like our time together versus like my own personal healing time and and just focusing on the doing all the self care for myself. So that that's just something I would do a little differently. So I recommend to you like if you can go like take a road trip or go stay at a hotel, like a hotel, obviously, where you didn't use drugs before. Um, but go, you know, to a friend's house or a family member's house that's, you know, a ways away from where you, w- you live or you would use and definitely somewhere you didn't use before and somewhere that you also will have time and space to focus on yourself. So that's something I would have done differently. But I definitely... No, I did make a good choice to change my environment for those first few days. And then the I quit on July 2nd. So July 4th, I came back into town and I went to a July 4th uh, celebration that pretty much lasted till like, I don't know, eight or nine o'clock at night. Um, So that took up like my whole day. So by the time, by the end of the day, it was late enough to where I, w- I would be tired when I got home, so I wouldn't be, like, triggered. I mean, I definitely did feel like using when I got home, 
but um, it was less intense um, because I was already tired and so I was going to bed shortly. So that was also helpful was um, just being out of the house for most of the day and doing something fun. Like it was fun. I got to spend the day with my niece and nephew and my sister and brother-in-law and my parents and um, it was really nice just enjoying my time with them. The next thing I did, um, I did, I can't remember if I did it the night before or the day of, I think I did it the day of the first day I quit. So the first day I wasn't smoking, I collected all my paraphernalia. If you're not familiar with the word paraphernalia, it basically is a police term or a medical term or professional term for saying stuff that you would use drugs with. <laughs> So lighters, um, torches, because I was a dabber, if you know what dabs are, um, that's how I would consume marijuana mostly, um, edibles, um, what else, um, bongs, bongs and pipes and the stuff itself. So the, the marijuana itself, all forms of it, I collected it all up put it all in a box and I packed it up and gave it to a friend. <laughs> um, not that I'm condoning addiction, but I gave it to another friend who likely has a marijuana addiction and that I knew that it would make them very happy to have the stuff <laughs> that um, I was getting rid of and it was honestly worth a few hundred dollars what I was getting rid of. So I kind of like, you can't, <laughs> you can't donate that stuff like to a place. Like you don't just donate it to like a homeless shelter. Like here, here's a bunch of weed and stuff to smoke weed with and let all the people that come here use it. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought that was kind of funny. I just gave it to a friend and I knew it would be put to use and I knew that that person in particular wasn't ready to quit. Um, and, you know, you know, it wasn't... It, I'm trying to make it sound like not as bad as it might sound. But anyway, <laughs> the next thing I did was I planned and used other coping skills. So I, I thought ahead of time and talked to my therapist about other coping skills that I was going to use in place of using marijuana. So a big reason I would use marijuana was to cope with my feelings or emotions um, or my anxiety or depression. And I talked a lot about this on episode eight, where I talked about how I knew I had a, how I had a problem um, was that I was using it to cope with life, to cope with everything. So I knew if I was taking away my biggest coping tool, which was using marijuana, I would need to then replace that with other healthier, easy and accessible coping tools that would um, take the place and also make me feel good. So, and give me the, the feedback that I needed in order to deal with the emotions and, and triggers and stuff that I was going to be facing. One of the things that I had did, um, I did some research about and um, learned that was really helpful for anxiety is CBD, and that's 
cannabinoid, cannabinoid, I don't know what the D stands for, <laughs> CBD, but um, that is, so it's without THC. So you can definitely get CBD with THC, but I would get CBD THC free. So it had absolutely no, um, although it's made from the same plant as marijuana, it's doesn't have the psychoactive effects of the THC. It just has the healing benefits. And if you didn't know this, you have endocannabinoid receptors in your body, just like you have pain receptors or like you have pleasure receptors in your body. You have endocannabinoid receptors in your body, all throughout your body, in your skin, in your lungs, in your heart, in your digestion, in your brain that need cannabinoids. So your body actually naturally produces cannabinoids um, as one of the chemicals that it uses to function. So after my research, I decided I was going to use it and I started using it before I quit. So that's something that I had planned ahead of time. I, I bought it and I started using it to help with my anxiety. And once I quit, I started using, um, I took about 50 to 100 milligrams per day, um, which, you know, if you're not familiar with CBD or using it, um, talk to, obviously talk to your doctor, talk to your health professional. I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice. I'm not licensed in any kind of nutrition or dietary kind of things. Um, definitely not medically licensed. So um, if you're starting to use a, a supplement like CBD, talk to somebody about it and do your research on it. Um, but I found that for me in particular, about 50 to 100 milligrams per day was helpful with my anxiety. And it would not only decrease when I had anxiety, it would decrease it, but it would also prevent me from getting extreme anxiety. Oh my gosh, excuse me. Extreme anxiety. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's an age limit on CBD. Um, if you're a teenager using marijuana, I would definitely recommend talking to your parents and talking to your doctor about using CBD. I don't think you can purchase it as, as a teenager, like under 18. Um, I'm pretty sure 18 is the limit. Okay, I looked it up, and I'm in Arizona, and in Arizona it says there's no age restriction on buying CBD. Um, you don't need a prescription for it, um, so I guess if you are a teenager, you can buy CBD in Arizona, but I would still talk to your family or your um, caretakers about it, just so they are aware. I'm, there's not really any bad side effects um, that I've found in my research that, like, you know, it can make stuff worse. It, it literally just really helps. And obviously do research on it and figure out if it is a good thing for you. Um, but for me in particular, it really made a significant difference because one of the things I was super worried about quitting marijuana was the fact that I had struggled with such bad anxiety. And what I didn't realize was when I quit that one one of the reasons my anxiety was so bad was because I was smoking marijuana. Like, it was making my anxiety actually worse. So, between quitting something that was making my anxiety worse and then also supplementing and taking the CBD, 
Um, it really like I had very minimal anxiety. Even to this day, I hardly get like anxiety like I used to. Like I used to get panic attacks and stuff. I haven't. I mean, I had a panic attack recently. I can't remember when, but because I was talking to my psychiatrist about it. But um, it used to be way more often and way more intense. And now like I go lots of days with having zero anxiety, which is crazy to me because I struggled with it so much for so long. And I think one of the reasons that was, was because I was using marijuana to cope with it. So some of the other coping skills I use, I'll talk about. Um, and then that will conclude this episode after I get through these. But, um, one of them was taking a walk. So that's like, I like to give you guys things that are tools that are easy, free, and accessible. And I think for anyone, like, taking a walk, like, that's pretty accessible no matter where you live. Unless you live in, like, a very dangerous place and literally, like, being on the street is dangerous. If that's the case, just move your body in, where, in your house or your apartment or wherever you live. Um, get some movement in, try dancing or, um, stretching or just jumping around, anything to kind of move your body. But I think taking a walk is such a good way to cope with emotions because it helps you like process them. You can either while you're walking, you can listen to like a podcast, a podcast that's funny or a podcast that's personal development or business development or, you know, just something, a topic that you're interested in, like history or murder. I, I don't know why people are obsessed with murder. <laughs> I I don't get it, but I know a lot of people like those things and it actually calms them down. I don't know why, but <laughs> if that's your thing, that's your thing. If that's what you enjoy, then do something you enjoy. Um, so when you're taking a walk, either listen to um, a podcast or music um, or like what I like to do is just, well, part of the reason I can't listen to stuff in my ears or have headphones on is because I live in the forest. And so I have to be aware of like, um, uh, animals like, <laughs> um, wild animals. So I, I don't listen to headphones when I'm walking. Um, but it's nice because it forces me to think and pro and while you're thinking you're moving and moving while you're thinking in this way of, fantastic, like incredible way to process thoughts and emotions. So I highly recommend, um, taking a walk to cope with, um, your triggers or your, um, your, uh, anxiety or, um, just feelings that arise for you after quitting an addiction. Um, and then another coping skill that I used was talking to family members or friends, um, mostly I talk to family members about it and those being my parents and my brother because, um, a lot of my friends, because I was a smoker, a lot of my friends smoked. So it was kind of like, I did talk to some of them about it, but I, I don't, while they, you know, they obviously were very nice and very, um, like encouraging, um, and supportive. It was, it's just like, they, 
they're not quite there because they're still using. So it's like my dog. I don't know if you heard that. My dog just burped in the background. Cody, what are you doing? He's an old man. He's 13 and he breathes loud. So if you hear his loud breathing, that's that's why it is because he's old man, huh? All right. Anyway, but talking to people. So talk to people. Talk to family. Talk to people. Like other, other people I talked to were people in my life group, my Bible study. Um, talk to members of church, go to meetings. That's one thing I didn't particularly actually do that. I didn't go to meetings and by meetings, I mean, 12 step, uh, recovery meetings like Alcoholics Anonymous or Marijuana Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. Um, I didn't go to any meetings. I think it would definitely be helpful if I did. And I, I just didn't need it. Like, um, it, you know, I wasn't, like, I don't know. I, I used other things. Um, but definitely I would recommend going to meetings. Um, if you don't have really much of a support system, especially because you'll definitely find other people going through what you're going through. And you can also get a sponsor, which is basically just like a mentor who's been through what you've been through and has more experience and more time, um, being sober. So, um, definitely do that. But talking to people is key, especially talking to people who are sober as well. Um, at least, um, from the addiction. Okay. My dog's drinking water now. <laughs> and speaking of dogs, that's another, um, tool you can use, um, or coping skill that you can use for, uh, getting sober and getting off an addiction is having a emotional support animal or a service animal which, um, my dog is pretty much both. Um, so yeah, um, just having a, an animal helps you, like it gives you one, gives you something to take care of besides yourself. So it kind of takes you away from your own concerns and makes you think about somebody else for a moment, even if it's just like for, you know, just to feed them or, or brush them or, you know, take them outside to go to the bathroom or whatever. Um, and also it, um, like touching them, the physical touch and looking at their, looking in their eyes and, and connecting to another being, um, especially because animals are just healing creatures that God put on this planet for us to be, um, partners for us to be, um, soul healers and, um, nurturers. I think animals are very nurturing. Um, so just like being in the presence and like petting your dog or your cat or your fish or your cow or whatever it is. Um, but, um, yeah, it's so therapeutic and such a good coping skill. And also if you have a dog and like you don't have a yard and you have to take them on walks to go to the bathroom, that's also helpful because it gets you outside. And when you're outside, you get serotonin, which helps balance your mood as well as, 
um, getting your body moving, which also gives you endorphins, which again helps balance your mood and improves your mood. So that's going to be a, a fantastic coping skill for you. And speaking of dogs, I actually, because I got sober and quit using marijuana, I was actually able to get a new dog in August. So I have, um, if you go to my Instagram, you can obviously see a, a ton of my dogs and stuff and videos and pictures of them. But I have the 13-year-old uh, Golden Retriever, Cody, that you heard breathing loudly and drinking water just a little bit ago. And then now I have a 10-month-old Golden Retriever named Henry. And he was three and a half months when I got him. So I've had him literally for like seven months of my sobriety. And I wouldn't have been able to get an, another dog if I had not quit because having animals is expensive and having more than one is even more expensive. So if I was smoking, I wouldn't, I literally would not have the money to get a dog. And so, yeah. So I highly recommend getting an animal, whether it's a fish or a lizard or a cow or a bird, um, anything that uh, makes you feel better. Um, for me, though, that's definitely dogs because I'm a dog person. I'm a dog mama. Um, yeah, so just a few more coping skills. Um, the next one's going to therapy. I think that's pretty obvious. Everybody knows that therapy is a coping skill, but I, I kept going to therapy because I had already been in therapy and going to counseling for um, two and a half years at the point when I quit, and I had been going um, every other week, so I just, I kept going on a regular basis pretty much, pretty much every other week um, to counseling, to therapy, and that's I mean, I can't even recommend therapy enough. Hopefully one day on this podcast, we'll have a sponsor of like an online therapy program. Um, but since we don't right now, just Google online therapy and you can find a, a virtual therapist. Um, or if you have insurance and you want to see someone in person, obviously you can look up through your insurance a therapist. Um or you can even look into group therapy if you don't have insurance because group therapy is cheaper than one-on-one. -on -one. And group therapy will also help you be around other people who are going through issues similar to you, kind of like going to meetings, but in a more professional, um, obviously therapeutic and um, more of a treatment setting than um, just going to a 12-step meeting. So I highly highly recommend doing therapy in any form that you're able to do it. And the other thing I did that I kept up was that I kept doing was my exercise routine. And I would work out after work. That's just when I would work out was when I would get home after work, I would exercise. And by exercise, I mean, do a workout. So like, whether it was 30 minutes or 45 minutes, um, I would do a workout and that was really helpful because that's when my cravings were the highest was after work because pretty much when I was using marijuana, I would get off work and come home and I would smoke. So, and I would do that even before I would work out. So instead of, you know, quitting 
my routine. I kept to my routine and it was very helpful because, you know, when you work out, you get, um, all those, um, chemicals that help you feel good. Um, so yeah, so I kept that up. I kept, that was a big coping skill for me was exercise. And I made sure I also, another coping skill was keeping a sleep routine. So I, I'm going to do an episode about sleep hygiene and having a sleep routine. Um, but basically I, you know, maintain my sleep schedule to the best that I could. Um, I tried to get, you know, eight and a half hours of sleep a night for me. Um, some people need less, some, the average person needs seven to nine hours of sleep or average, I should say adult, um, needs seven to nine hours. I'm a pretty much an eight and a half, nine hour person. Like I need a little bit more sleep than most people do. But, um, so I, I kept getting eight and a half to nine hours of sleep. I also, another coping skill I used was reading, um, materials that had to do with sobriety. So I purchased and I read, um, marijuana anonymous and alcoholics anonymous and narcotics anonymous literature and devotionals. Like I think daily devotionals are really helpful because a daily devotional gives you like about a paragraph to maybe one page of, um, of like a thought or an affirmation or a concept, um, to think about that day and to kind of reflect either whether it's at the beginning of your day or at the end, or maybe even in the middle, um, a devotional is a great way to just pause and think about something. And, um, if you're trying to get sober from substances or from an addiction, um, reading, um, devotionals from, those support groups is really helpful. So the ones in particular that I got, um, I got a life with hope, a return to living through the 12 steps and 12 traditions of marijuana anonymous by marijuana anonymous. I got daily reflections by alcoholics anonymous. I got courage to change courage to change by Al-Anon, which Al-Anon is for friends and family members of people who struggle with addictions, which a lot of people in Al-Anon also have their own addictions, even if it's not just a substance. Um, and then I got just for today, daily meditations for recovering addicts by Narcotics Anonymous. So those are just my recommendations. I didn't read all four of those every day. I would typically read two of them per day. Sometimes I would read three, but usually, I mean, even if you just do one, one is enough. Like, I just am a little extremist and I like to push myself a little bit more. So I would do at least two a day. But I mean, and now, now that I have eight months of sobriety, now I just read one a day. So I'll pick one and sometimes uh, instead of reading the devotional, I'll just read the Bible. Um, but I still pretty much read like one of these, um, one of these four, um, uh, uh, anonymous, uh, groups, uh, devotional per day. And it's really helpful because it talks about being sober and, um, gives you other food for thought on that. Another critical part of being recovered from addiction is doing fun things that you enjoy, um, that are not drug related. Like, obviously, (laughs) 
I talked about this in the past of part one and part two, but typically when you're addicted to a substance, like everything you enjoy doing is related to using that substance. And so you got to start doing fun things where you're not using it. Even if it's the same thing that you would do when you were using, you're going to see that your brain starts to rewire itself for pleasure. And although like the first few times you do it are definitely not going to be as pleasurable as prior, um, just because you're not getting a a flood of chemicals from from a substance. Um, But you'll notice once you do them a few times, you'll actually appreciate um, a lot more doing those things sober because you're going to really be in the moment and you're going to remember. Like, I think that's like, especially with marijuana, because marijuana is like known to to cause memory loss. Um, You're going to remember moments more more in depth and more easily. And you're going to remember how you felt and all the, the experience of everything. So not only are you going to be in the moment more because you're sober, but you're actually going to remember those moments even better. Um, or just remember them in general. Cause a lot of times I would smoke weed and I would completely forget what I did. Um, even if it was something fun, I would be like, Oh, did I really even have fun? So the, (laughs) so I think especially, um, cause like, if you work like a Monday through Friday job, like nine to five, like I do, um, well, I don't really anymore, but I did at the time, um, is that you need to plan things on the weekends because the weekends are when you would use the most often, probably, at least for myself. I know on the weekends I would use marijuana like all day long. (laughs) I would try, like I said, I tried to quit or cut down before. I would try like to hold off in the morning and not smoke for as long as I could, but I would always give in. And sometimes I would just be like, screw it. And I'd smoke it like 10 a.m. when I woke up. Um, So (laughs) the weekends, you need to plan. So quitting, like I've talked about this whole time, is having a plan. And that's really, you know, obviously you have to plan it and also, but you also have to execute the plan. So you got to take action. But the first part is having a plan. (laughs) Because if you don't have a plan, you plan to fail, right? You either plan to win or you plan to fail (laughs) or you, or you, you, oh, I said that wrong. You either plan, if you don't plan, you, you, if you fail, oh my gosh, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Okay. (laughs) That's what it is. Fail to plan, plan to fail. Um, so you got to make a plan. So plan things on the weekend that you enjoy for me in particular, it was going to the lake, and um, once I got a paddleboard, because I also was able to afford buying a paddleboard because I wasn't smoking anymore, so I had the extra money, so I bought a paddleboard, and particularly going to the lake, um, the lake is about 30 minutes away, and I could not drive on the road to the lake when I was high, so that was a good reason for me to go to the lake and to plan on it was because I knew that driving, just the act of driving there, I couldn't be high doing that because it's very dangerous and a very windy road, like basically on the mountains, on a cliff. So 
and would definitely not be a good idea. So that helped, helped me a lot to be sober was because I couldn't drive. And then I also, I went to yoga, shout out to, um, my yoga studio. Oh, there's my, um, furnace coming on. I love my yoga girls and my yoga studio. They have like tons of events, which is really helpful because, um, I'm not always able to make it to like the, uh, classes during the week, but they have events on like Fridays and on the weekend. Um, and sometimes during the week. So I was able to do like, and I love yoga and I've really, um, when I quit marijuana, I really got into the meditations that they would do and the sound healings. So I went to acro yoga, which is acrobat yoga. That was super fun. I did, um, stress relief meditations and sound healings. I did gentle yoga. I did power yoga on Saturdays. I think I only did it one Saturday because, it's a little early in the morning for me. <laughs> I just like to wake up slowly. I don't like to wake up and like go, go, go. So anyway, um, but I did a, a paddleboard, a sup paddleboard, full moon sound healing on the lake. And that was at night, obviously the full moon. Um, so that was really cool. And then also I did a new moon uh, sound healing. So that was really fun. So thank you to my yoga studio for having those events and my yoga instructors. You guys are awesome, or you I should say you gals, you ladies are super cool, and I'm so happy to that you do these events. So thank you very much to you. And the other thing I did that I really enjoy is that I went on hikes, and I went on solo hikes, and I went on um, hikes with friends, and I actually went on a, a women's hiking group as well. Um, so that was really fun, and I did hikes, like, during the week and on the weekends, but most especially on the weekend, because I would be working Monday through Friday most of the time. Um, and those were just the things I enjoyed, so hopefully those, um, are some good coping skills that you can also use. I think pretty much most of them were free, um, besides the yoga, obviously the yoga, I had to pay money for the events and the classes, um, but even then, it's still way cheaper than buying marijuana or buying a drug or a substance. Um, so I think, especially if you're using every day, like just, you know, even if you only spend $10 a day on a drug, which most people who use drugs spend way more than that, um, that's $300 a month on drugs. <laughs> um, so use that $300 that you would put towards drugs and put it towards fun things. Like for me, I'm a very outdoorsy person. I like I most of the things I said were outdoors, but if you like to go to concerts, like go to concerts. Um, if you like, you know, the other thing I used to do, um, which I'm not doing anymore was take dance classes. Um, dance classes are fun, or you can do a cooking class, or you can take a martial arts class, um, or you can do like hobbies like painting, drawing, or playing an instrument, like take classes to learn an instrument, um, take up knitting. My, <laughs> my therapist, um, constantly like kept recommending that I do knitting to cope as a coping skill for quitting marijuana. Um, because knitting is something that you can kind of mindlessly do like, well, I should take, I don't know if it's mindless. You have to like 
count. So actually maybe that's not mindless at all because you have to count. You have to count like your stitches or whatever they call it. Um, and like count, you know, what you're doing in order to create something with knitting and you have to focus on like the, you know, the, the act of knitting. Um, so it's a good de-stressor and it takes your mind off of your cravings and your triggers. And it also helps balance you. Um, like if you're having anxiety, it's a great thing for that as well. So, um, take up knitting or crocheting, um, per my therapist. Just one more thing. Another thing that really helped me is Jesus. And I mean Jesus Christ, not Jesus, because I do like a Latin lover. <laughs> I like, I like Latin guys, um, but <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. Um, <laughs> Okay. I seriously though, Jesus Christ is my savior. Um, my personal savior that I believe in. I have a belief in God and that I can be made new each day. And because Jesus died for me and that I don't have to pay for my sins, but simply ask for forgiveness. So I don't have to bear the weight of what addiction comes with and the things that I did wrong from my addiction and, um, all the shame and stuff. I don't need to let that weigh me down and, and make me feel worse or make me feel like I'm a bad person because each day I'm, I'm born anew in Christ and I'm forgiven of my sins. And I believe that each day is a gift from God and that we have the ability to choose how we spend it. Um, whether we do good things and be a light in the world or whether we choose to self-destruct and succumb to our weaknesses. I believe that the devil is always trying to bring us down every day, but that God is stronger than your weaknesses and God can defeat the things that are destroying your life. He can change your habits by changing who you are. Once you, once you release release. Once you realize, once you realize your life is made for more, that your life has meaning, that just because you were created and placed on this earth means that your life has meaning, that your life impacts people around you, and that you have greatness in you because you were made in God's image. Once you realize all that, then you can change your life. You can not only quit an addiction, but you can make your life whatever you want it to be. You can create change in the world just by being who you are and who you're meant to be. I just want to say, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is or about Christianity, I want to encourage you to look for a Christian church and attend a Sunday or a weekday, um, uh, event, uh, what's it called? A sermon or, um, the session, whatever you want to call it. Um, go to church and, um, reach out, uh, to people when they ask for, um, prayer requests or when they say, you know, do you want to accept Jesus in your life today? Because, um, I truly believe that, um, you know, he died for our sins and through him, our lives are, <sighs> so incredible because we have a chance every day to do something good. We have a chance every day to heal and to overcome those issues that 
weigh us down, basically our addictions to become a new person, to not have to let your past take hold of your identity and you have a new identity every day in Christ being that you can be Christ-like and you can want to help people and want to change the world to be a better place and just being kind to people like Jesus was you know he he reached out to the poor the sick the hungry the people with defects the you know the people that were shunned by society like he reached out to those people and I think that's I make it oh my gosh I cried so much on this episode I'm um I think that's one of the beautiful things about going through an addiction is that you know what it feels like to be shamed by society. You know what it feels like to be an outsider. You know what it feels like to feel beat down and and kicked to the the freaking um the side and and to not be accepted and you know those feelings and so once you overcome your addiction, you can literally um, create change in other people's lives. Once you get through, once you get sober, I'm shaking because this is so powerful. Like, I truly believe, also, it might be a little cold in here because I had to turn the heater off. <laughs> um, but it's so powerful what can happen in your life once you accept Jesus and you become a new person and you get over your addictions through the power of God, the power of Christ in you. Because like I said, it's the greatest thing in the world. It's the greatest power in the world. It's more powerful than any entity. It's more powerful than any ruler or president or, or king. Um, I meant president, not present. Um, it's more powerful than any any substance, any, um, anything you can do, like the power within you through God and through Jesus is greater, uh, the greatest thing, um, around in this world. So use that. And, um, yeah, if you don't know, like I said, if you don't know what I'm talking about or you are unsure of like, um, whether you're ready to commit your life to Christ and and to ask for his forgiveness and be saved and made anew, um, reach out to me. Um, go. I'm Tiffany Joy Bankhead on um, YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook. Message me or comment on one of my posts and say, hey, I, I just need to talk. Like, I just need someone to talk to. And, I mean, you can do that even... If you're not looking for, you know, a, a savior, like, you can just reach out because, like I've said so many times, I think on every podca podcast I've done, I, I've said to talk to people, talk to people about what you're going through, especially if you have addiction, and I'll be there to talk to, like, I'll find the time. Uh, so many people have made time for me, so I can definitely find, you know, some time in my life to, um, just reach out and give you some encouragement and maybe help you, uh, get some resources or something. So I'd love to do that and be there for you guys. Um, one of the tools that you can use to overcome addiction that I talked about today is exercise and working out. 
Exercise provides your brain with the same chemicals, aka neurotransmitters, that you would get from using a substance um, or engaging in an addictive behavior. It provides dopamine, noradrenaline, aka endorphins, and serotonin, the three major neurotransmitters that are associated with feeling good, feeling pleasure, and mood stability. And one way you can exercise is by using my online library of workouts that has thousands of workouts for all levels of fitness and dozens of tailored workout programs to meet your wellness goals. There is running programs, all kinds of cardio, cycling, boxing, martial arts, weightlifting, dynamic strength training, dancing, yoga, tai chi, body weight only exercises, mobility, stretching, recovery, and HIIT workouts. <laughs> Basically, any type of workout you could ever think of is on there. They even have mindset, nutrition programs, and meditations. Um, I particularly like the meditations because they have short ones, five minutes, and then they have longer ones, like 15, 30 minutes. Um, uh, meditating is huge for um, helping change your beliefs and, and helping um, changing uh, like your mood and stuff and setting you up for a, a mindful day, which can be a, a great tool um, when it comes to getting over an addiction. Um, so this platform called Body, it's B-O-I-D-I, is an all-in-one tool when it comes to achieving wellness physically and mentally and can definitely help with addiction. So go check out the link in my bio on Instagram, um, Tiffany Joy Bankhead, or look up Body, B-O-D-I, um, and sign up for a trial and enter my name, Tiffany Bankhead, as your coach. I know this was a longer episode, so I appreciate you so much for sticking through this and listening to this episode. Um, I'm just so grateful to have you be a part of um, this community of people trying to change their mental health and get better and uh, improve your overall wellness. Um, so that is it for today's episode. We're going to say our affirmation three more times, and our affirmation is, I have the ability to overcome any bad habit and change my life. So let's repeat that three times and then that's, that'll be all. Um, oh, that's all folks. Um, okay, here we go. I have the ability to overcome any bad habit and change my life. I have the ability to overcome any bad habit and change my life. I have the ability to overcome any bad habit and change my life. And I believe you can do that just like I did it. I've done it for other addictions and now I've done it for marijuana addiction for eight months at least. You know, I'll keep talking about my recovery process and my sobriety. I definitely have a lot more episodes planned to talk about marijuana addiction and sobriety and recovery and other addictions as well I want to talk about. And I'll probably talk about some of my past addictions too. So thank you for being here today and supporting this podcast. If you could please if uh, rate this five stars and hit follow on the show, um, click the share button and send this to a friend or family member today or somebody that you know may struggle with 
addiction um, so they can learn how to quit as well um, or click the share button and post it as a link on your social media um, especially on your Instagram stories um, that would be really helpful so we can help other people and expand this show to reach more people to change lives um, follow me on Instagram Tiffany Joy Bankhead for more information on my everyday life and for uh, pictures and videos of my dogs that are beautiful. <laughs> they, they're handsome, but people say they're beautiful because they think they're girls, even though they're boys. <laughs> um, anyway, I love you so much. You're awesome. You can make a change and a difference in your life, and I believe in you. Amen. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye-bye.